Section 19 of the Journal of Lewis and Clark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Journal of Lewis and Clark by Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Chapter 17. M. Manitoba, Osiga, Matopanato. Are the descendants of the Sioux, and partake of their turbulent and faithless dispositions. They frequently plunder, and sometimes murder their own traitors. The name by which this nation is generally known was borrowed from the Chippewas, who called him Assiniboine, which literally translated is Stone Sioux, hence the name of Stone Indians, by which they are sometimes called. The country in which they rove is almost entirely uncovered with timber, lies extremely level, and is but badly watered in many parts. The land, however, is tolerable, fertile, and unencumbered with stone. They might be induced to trade at the river Yellowstone, but I do not think that their trade promises much. Their numbers continue about the same. These bands, like Sioux, act entirely independent of each other, although they claim a national affinity, and never make war on each other. Chippewas of Leech Lake Claim the country on both sides of the Mississippi, from the mouth of the Crow Wing River to its source, and extending west of the Mississippi to the lands claimed by the Sioux, with whom they contend for dominion. They claim also, east of the Mississippi, the country extending as far as Lake Superior, including the waters of the St. Louis. This country is thickly covered with timber, generally lies level, and generally fertile, though a considerable portion of it is intersected and broken up by small lakes, morasses, and small swamps particularly about the heads of the Mississippi and River St. Louis. They do not cultivate, but live principally on the wild rice, which they procure in great abundance on the borders of Leech Lake and the banks of the Mississippi. Chippewas of Red Lake Claim the country about Red Lake and Red Lake River, as far as the Red River of Lake Winnipeg, beyond which last river they contend with the Sioux for territory. This is a low-level country, and generally thickly covered with timber, interrupted with many swamps and morasses. This, as well as the other bands of Chippewas, are esteemed the best hunters of the northwest country, but from the long residence of this band in the country they now inhabit, game is becoming scarce. Therefore, their trade is supposed to be at its greatest extent. Of River Pembina These people formerly resided on the east side of the Mississippi at Sand Lake but were induced by the Northwest Company to remove, about two years since, to the river Pembina. They do not claim the lands on which they hunt. The country is level, and the soil good. The west side of the river is principally prairies or open plains. On the east side there is a greater proportion of timber. Their trade at present is a very valuable one. Algonquins of Rainy Lake With the precise limits of country they claim I am not informed. They live very much detached in small parties. The country they inhabit is but an indifferent one. It has been much hunted, and the game, of course, nearly exhausted. They are well disposed towards the whites. Their number is said to decrease. Of Portage de Prairie These people inhabit a low, flat, marshy country, mostly covered with timber and well stocked with game. They are immigrants from the Lake of the Woods and the country east of it who were introduced some years since by the northwest traders in order to hunt the country on the lower parts of Red River. 
which then abounded in a variety of animals of the fur kind. Critinos. They are a wandering nation, do not cultivate nor claim any particular tract of country. They are well disposed towards the whites, and treat their traders with respect. The country in which they rove is generally open plains, but in some parts, particularly about the head of the Assiniboine River, it is marshy and tolerably well furnished with timber, as are also the Fort Dauphin Mountains, to which they sometimes resort. From the quantity of beaver in their country, they ought to furnish more of that article than they do at present. Aliatans Snake Indians These are a numerous and well-disposed people, inhabiting a woody and mountainous country. They are divided into three large tribes, who wander at a considerable distance from each other, and are called by themselves Sosana, Sosabubar, and Lakar. These are again subdivided into smaller, though independent bands, the names of which I have not yet learnt. They raise a number of horses and mules, which they trade with the Crow Indians, or are stolen by the nations to the east of them. They maintain a partial trade with the Spaniards, from whom they obtain many articles of clothing and ironmongery, but no warlike implements. Of the West these people also inhabit a mountainous country, and sometimes venture in the plains east of the Rocky Mountains, about the head of the Arkansas River. They have no more intercourse with the Spaniards of New Mexico than the Snake Indians. They are said to be very numerous and warlike, but are badly armed. The Spaniards fear these people, and therefore take the precaution not to furnish them with any warlike implements. In their present unarmed state, they frequently commit hostilities on the Spaniards they raise a great many horses. La Playas. They inhabit the rich plains, from the head of the Arkansas, embracing the heads of Red River, and extending with the mountains and highlands eastwardly as far as is known towards the Gulf of Mexico. They possess no firearms, but are warlike and brave. They are as well as the other Aliatans, a wandering people. Their country abounds in wild horses, besides great numbers which they raise themselves. These people, and the West Aliatans, might be induced to trade with us on the upper part of the Arkansas River. Pania Peak These people have no intercourse with the inhabitants of the Illinois. The information, therefore, which I have been enabled to obtain with respect to them, is very imperfect. They were formerly by the name of the White Panias, and are of the family with the Panias of the River Platte. They are said to be a well-disposed people, and inhabit a very fertile country. Certain it is that they enjoy a delightful climate. Paducas. This once powerful nation has, apparently entirely, disappeared. Every inquiry I have made after them has proved ineffectual. In the year 1724 they resided in several villages on the head of the Kansas River, and could at that time bring upwards of two thousand men into the field. See Monsieur Duprat's History of Louisiana, page 71, and the map attached to that work. The information that I have received is, that being oppressed by the nations residing on the Missouri, they were moved to the upper part of the River Platte, where they afterwards had but little intercourse with the whites. They seem to have given name to the northern branch of the river, which is still called the Paducas Fork. The most probable conjecture is, that being still further reduced, they have divided into small wandering bands, which assumed the names of the subdivisions of the Paducah nation, and are known to us at present under the appellation of Wetapahatos, Kiowas, Kanenevish, Kateka, 
Dutome, etc., who still inhabit the country to which the Paducas are said to have removed. End of section 19